Hello, I'm Reese, and you're listening to the Stranger Than Fan Fiction Podcast. This podcast contains adult themes and language, so if you're listening with your kids, probably don't do that. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Stranger Than Fan Fiction, we like the fanfics that you've written. Stranger Than Fan Fiction, we talk real good with lots of diction. For everybody listening, Reese hates that we're not perfect. Yeah, it sounds like Reese doesn't like comedy. That's kind of what I'm getting. I'd like this to be a drama podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Can we have our own talking head segment of just like, yeah, Reese got onto my ass again today. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do like a noir. It'll be like, and then it'll just be like, happened again today. I was staring off into the clouds when Reese snapped and said, pay attention. Killed my buzz. I don't even know what he was talking about. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and then my, my, my section will be me looking into the camera, walking a few steps and being like, I'm surrounded by fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> and then the credits will roll. Hello and welcome to Stranger Than Fan Fiction, where we celebrate both the fans and the fiction. I am that speaker you blew out in sixth grade but haven't gotten rid of yet, Reese Boatwright. And I am the chair that you embarrassingly broke with that fart you didn't trust. You you shat your pants. (laughs) It's me, Hunter Henry's. Oh, damn it. Why do I have to follow that? (laughs) How could you? Uh, Well, I am the blonde-headed stepchild in the family of redheads, Wes Carmen. And I am the warm embrace of post-dryer laundry, Taha. Mm. 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 I'd like to rescind mine. Uh, I'm Hunter's attempt at that introduction, Reese Boatwright. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all very much for joining us once again in Stranger Than Fan Fiction. We had a very fun time recording last week. We're finally getting up to the quality that we want to get to, and we only have higher places to go from here. I'm, I'm very, very excited to see where we can, where we can get off to. Things the peak that we, is in reach. Yeah. Things that we're working on are uh, smooth intros without stammering or <laughs> resorting to shit jokes, but... <laughs> Being, those are gonna those are gonna happen funny. being yeah. funny being funny you, can you write that down yeah yeah, yeah yeah i got Thanks. it Taha, you got it. yeah you've got the computer i take notes <laughs> the nothing funnier than note taking that's like the essence of comedy love a good comedic note is analyzing every beat mm-hmm. should You're i write that down too? breathe uh, so, uh, before we get into this, uh, how's everybody's weekend been? What's been going on? What's the 411, the sitch, the update, the the latest well, hot you just, take? You just revealed that this is after the weekend, so thanks, thanks for a lot. giving away our personal information, wow. Hunter. spoilers? Well, it depends on what your definition of a weekend is, doesn't it? I guess because of quarantine, every day is the weekend Yeah, so, so in it, a lot I, of... Could have, been, ways. could have been three days, could Speaking have been three months. Which, how has the weekend been? You guys heard anything from him recently? Oh, uh, can can somebody clarify something for me? Is the weekend a, a, just a guy or is it a group? I think it's him. It's him. He is the weekend. And I would assume he has some like staple musicians and stuff. But oh. as far as I can tell, it's just him. 
because yeah. when he like guests on a when he's like featured on a track it's like featuring the weekend yeah where's he been he's been doing his own crossover he with can't the week he can't feel his face <laughs> the weekday he's, yeah. he's been with you so he's just not been able to feel his face this whole time uh- <laughs> I can't feel my face when I'm with you, but I like it, but I like it. I like him. He's becoming Lil Wayne now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, had, so he's the Lil Weekend? The Lil Weekend. <laughs> I can't feel my face. I, I can't feel my face. We have, we have now oh, musical, musical fan fiction crossovers happening between Lil Wayne and The Weekend. Now we can write weekend songs in the style of Lil Wayne. Yeah. L- Little weekend or weekend Wayne? Weekend. Or 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 hear me out on this. This is a, this is a big or the Wayne. I think weekend Wayne. I, weekend Wayne gives me an entirely different vibe. What kind though. of guy is weekend? What Wayne? kind of show is weekend Wayne? It's like Mister Rogers. Like I weekend imagine Wayne. weekend Wayne is this really fucking vanilla white dude who's just like, hi, I'm weekend Wayne. Like he's just some dude. <laughs> And he, like, tells you about, like, all of the drama around his office, but it's a very, like, you know, personable, everybody's nice to each other kind of office, so there isn't really a lot of drama. Yeah. So he's just like, well, Karen went over and uh, fill up her water on, on uh, I think it was Thursday. It might have been Wednesday, but probably, I, no, you know what? It was Thursday. And and as she was filling it up, somebody came up and said, hey, Karen, she jumped and, and spilt it. It was a riot you weekend know? wayne carries a water cooler with him everywhere he goes so that he can have have casual conversation at all times of day <laughs> well, so uh started uh taking up carpentry recently cool uh yeah. got a new uh soldering iron oh that's that's exciting uh, yeah. that's good yeah. yeah uh do you solder bit- when when you carpent is that is that the technical term <laughs> yeah no well uh carpenter Oh. Is actually not only the name of the person, but uh, the act. It's like I carpenter, carpenter. I, carpenter, you... I don't even the... barely even know. <laughs> <laughs> That's comedy, That's ladies funny, and gentlemen. Weekend, Wayne. That's a funny joke. <laughs> I, I carpenter the hit sequel to the two thousands movie I Robot, starring uh, Jaden Smith. Uh, oh I God. carpenter sequel to I Robot sequel to I Carly. <laughs> Oh, I, I Carly definitely came first. Oh, dang. There's a crossover. I Robot and I Carly. Someone write that. Actually, I'm going to go write it. Uh, I Rarly. Speaking of uh, fun, ridiculous crossovers, uh, Taha, what is our random fandom this week? Oh, boy. It's time for random fandom. Where, as the name suggests, we have two randomly generated fandoms, and we have to spiral down and see where we end up. Today's random fandom pairing, incidentally, I think could pair really well with Weekend Wayne. We have The Office and Twilight. Mm. Mm. Um, and mm. I, I've been thinking about this all day because there's an episode in particular where Jim tricks Dwight and uh, pretends that he was bitten by a vampire and was slowly transforming into a vampire. Amazing. I think this could be a direct tie-in. Uh, where the Cullens move to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and join the Dunder Mifflin. That's their day job? Yeah, that's their day job. <laughs> so at, at this point, I'd like to imagine that, you know, Jim is always the prankster in the office. He's always the one pulling the pranks on Dwight. But as we know, Dwight tends to take things, like, to the nth level when he when he does anything. Um, 
So what if when Dwight tries to get back at Jim for that prank, he actually finds real <laughs> ass vampires and actually brings them into the office? Oh my god, and then it becomes a fight between the Cullens and the vampires with the cast of The Office just in the middle of it all. <laughs> and Jim the whole time is like, these are just red contacts. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, vampires in Twilight have red eyes if they feed on humans, but golden ones if they feed on animals. It's a very important Weird. distinction. I didn't know that. You would know that. I would know that. Yeah, I, have, I, have, I have read all of Twilight <laughs> and remember it well. Yeah, let's acknowledge Hunter's extensive twilight knowledge once again uh second episode in a row (laughs) again again putting it out there hunter has written i believe upwards of 50 pages of twilight fan fiction uh sign our petition to make him release those documents Mm. if you all raise one hundred thousand (laughs) dollars i will share the twilight fan fiction or you know like uh, i don't know tell your friends and tell them to follow the podcast and sure i'll do it like this yeah. is like <laughs> this is like release the Snyder cut, but with Hunter's fan fiction. <laughs> well, here's the other thing that I want to see in this Twilight Office fanfic because if we're really getting into the heart of Twilight, what is the heart of Twilight? Why it's the love triangle? It's whether or not you're Team Edward or you're Team Jacob. Like, come on, mm-hmm. let's be real here. So if we're going into the Office, then there is the ever budding relationship of Pam and Jim. Mm-hmm. So, do we then introduce a new a new love triangle, like a love octagon, <laughs> a love square, a love square? <laughs> Ooh, welcome, Where it's- welcome to the love square, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so now it's Jim, Pam, uh, Edward, her, and Bella, Edward, and and well, I guess it's it, well, it's just Twilight, so it could also be Jacob. So this could be a, a love pentagon. <laughs> and and like Bella and Pam are always getting together and talking about like how they have such a difficult decision to make. But both of them are like, like Bella's like, oh my God, Pam, you have to go for Jim. You guys are so in love. And she's like, oh my God, Bella, you have to go for Edward. Jacob's just a friend. Why is this a debate? <laughs> and then you introduce Michael Scott and then it's a love hexagon. And Michael Scott's like, he's like, now, uh. You know, before I was a manager here at Dunder Mifflin, I was uh, what they call the love guru. <laughs> Very well reviewed. And it's like all of his shit's like one star. So he starts giving horrible relationship advice <laughs> to Bella and to to Pam and has no idea the complexities of their relationships, both on a natural and a supernatural level. His, so whenever Bella talks about like werewolves and vampires, he's like, no, I get it. You know, Edward, he's... He's a vampire. He's he's draining your energy, and you got to stop that. And Jacob, he just has two sides to him. You, you got to make sure that it's, it's careful. And she's like, no, 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 no. They're literally a vampire. He's like, I know. It's strong. I oh, feel yeah. that. You know that Michael Scott would absolutely Completely. act like he knew that every that vampires and werewolves existed the whole time. He's like, oh yeah, no, I've always suspected that Dwight was a vampire this whole time. <laughs> this does it. not come as a shock. Yeah, <laughs> I've always suspected it. And that's why I'm the boss. I actually <laughs> met a vampire once. I feel like Moe's is actually <laughs> a werewolf. Yes. I, yeah. feel like, I feel like Dwight's family is a family of werewolves. Oh, that would be interesting to see. Oh, for sure. Uh, D- Dwight, Dwight, especially in the realm of Twilight, Dwight absolutely is either a vampire, a vampire-human hybrid, who, which is why he has such a high view of himself, because he's like, I'm a part of the perfect race. 
uh, but has no idea how to express it in a way that actually makes people listen to him from from what I can tell. Uh, I haven't actually seen all of The Office, but I know that most people here have. All right, look, nobody here has read Twilight, which is incomparable. <laughs> oh, you've read Twilight? I've read Twilight all the way through twice. Oh, yes. Shit. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And the movies. Yeah. Oh, I muscled through Breaking Dawn Part I, Two. I saw all the midnight releases with my sister, who okay, had to read that the books. Far, but... Oh, I went that far. I went that far, and I tell you what, hilarious going to see those at the midnight releases. Nobody would shut up. So funny. Everyone's like, oh. And like, I'm, I'm sorry, but whoever was on costume and makeup did not do everybody in that film justice. I think Rob Pattinson is an attractive man, but he looked horrible in that movie. He looked just like he hadn't slept in months. He looked anemic. Anemic as a vampire. Well, he probably hadn't slept in months because I'm pretty sure he's gone on record saying that that was like the worst period in his entire career. Yeah. So I guarantee you he was waking. He was lying awake at night being like, what the fuck am i doing and they were like rob we love the bags under your eyes great method and he's like yeah yeah totally fuck you <laughs> that would probably be a pretty pretty horrifying experience working on working just working on the set of like how many movies five five movies and all of them were bad yeah pretty yeah. much i mean just like the, they the all the movies were memes now if we want to take it one more step into the meta what if this this crossover between the office and twilight is shooting the movie twilight but all of the production crew is dr mifflin paper well, company. That's, I, I had that thought of uh do you, uh if you've delved deep into the office you know that michael wrote a screenplay called threat level midnight uh yeah. i feel like the production value would skyrocket when you have vampires with super strength oh yeah just you know well there you go okay let's really quick because you know that people are just dying to hear our takes on this. Let's cast the Twilight cast as characters from The Office. So, right away, who's Bella? Pam. Pam, Pam. yeah, for sure. Who's Edward? Jim. Jim. Who is Jacob? Is it that... Oh, the, uh, Pam's previous boyfriend. Roy. Yeah, Roy. Roy. Roy, okay. Uh, who who would Michael Scott be in uh, the realm uh, of Twilight? I, Carlisle. I think Carlisle. I definitely think Carlisle, because Carlisle on the books, as as we know, uh, is incredibly successful, um, and it's because uh, because of like all of this like self control that he's imposed on himself. The opposite of Michael Scott, which would make Carlisle's success be something of like blind hilarious luck, culminating over like three hundred years I also of existence. See him as the leader of the Volturi. What was his name? Uh, um, the guy who Simon Pegg played Dakota Fanning, like. Arrow. Yeah, Simon Pegg played Dakota um, <laughs> Is it like Arrow or yeah, that's yeah, right. something like that? Yeah. I, that might be wrong. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> who would be Dwight? Uh, oh, Dwight would be Emmett, the strongest one. Yeah. Because he's like, I'm the strongest one. I'm just straight the up asking guy. you all because I don't, I've never heard the name Carlisle in in tandem with twilight <laughs> i've never heard of that he, name so. he's the head of the colon family and up and when i was reading it it was like never hearing a word out loud i read it i read his name is carlisle <laughs> I I, that you're not alone in that yeah yeah no yeah because yeah. i was in middle school or whatever when it came out so i was like carlisle carlisle or carlisle carlisle i had when I, I had a book that uh it, it would mention the isles a lot i-s-l-e 
And I called, them, I called them the Isles. Yeah. <laughs> his lays. Yeah. That happened to me when I read Captain Underpants when I was a kid. Oh, fucking uh, Captain Underpants. Because they always started off with like, hi, my name's George Beard and I'm Harold Hutchins. And we deny everything was always how every episode or always how every book started. And I didn't know the word deny. So I like saw it and I sounded it out. I was like, Denny. We Denny everything. Oh, shit. Wait, I did that, too. When I read Captain Underpants. Yeah. I didn't because I could read. <laughs> yeah, that reminds didn't... me of the. Oh, oh no, please. Oh, oh. oh. Reese is going to kill us. <laughs> After you. No, no. <laughs> Welcome to the last episode of Rainbow's <laughs> Fan Fiction. At with least the last episode cast. with Taha and Hunter. <laughs> Quick, change our names. Uh, Hi, I'm uh, Taha. I'm uh, Hunter. Nice. Saved it. Well, I forgot what we were talking about. Do we want to get into our first? Yeah, thing? why don't we? <laughs> <move on? laughs> Damn it, that was a Reese Boatwright segue if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Speaking of segues, why don't we move on to the next fan fiction? The first fan fiction. Yeah, rather. so uh, I'm very excited for this because, again, there is a whole bunch of characters that I'm ecstatic to hear you all voice uh, over the next course of this first chapter. Of D5 1, Meddling Kids in Nowhere. This is a Courage the Cowardly Dog and Scooby Doo fan fiction crossover, which, I mean, is just. You what take the two scaredy for. cat dogs and you put them in one place. There's nothing better than that. Uh, this is by. Uh, I was trying to think of a way to say this in a word, but I really just can't think. Uh, WSDSRDBW4096 is the author. Uh, would, it sounds. It sounds. Would Celtic. Scooby Doo. Maybe, maybe Gaelic. Scare rabbits. Do books right. Forty ninety six. Forty ninety six. That makes sense to me. Uh, so this was published in January twenty sixth of twenty sixteen. So four years ago. Uh, last updated July 9th, twenty sixteen. So this whole thing was finished. I believe it's about nine chapters long. So mm. this is a pretty extensive fan fiction. Uh, so the cast in order of appearance is going to be Reese is going to be reading Eustace Bag, Velma and Scooby-Doo Hunter you'll be reading Muriel and Shaggy <laughs> Amazing. and Taha you'll be reading Fred and Daphne fantastic uh, so I'm trying to think if there's anything I want to say before we get started I don't think so I just kind of want to dive into this so without any further it. ado chapter one right in the middle of nowhere May 20th, 2000. Location, Nowhere, Kansas. It was a typical evening in the Bags household, who live in the middle of Nowhere, Kansas. As usual, Courage is resting on Muriel's lap as she relaxes on her rocking chair, while her husband, Eustace, sits in his comfortable red armchair reading the newspaper with the television on. Their idle evening was interrupted when the house suddenly went dark and the television went completely shut. Stupid power outage! Eustace muttered in his usual grumpy voice. Can't read the paper, can't see. Here, I'll go get a lantern, his wife offered as their dog got up from her lap and tried to search for a matchbox. In spite of the darkness, he was able to find the matchbox in no time and light the fire. Oh, Courage, Muriel said. I know you'll always find the matchbox. Courage smiled at the compliment as they located the lantern and used the match to light it. A stupid power better return, Eustace said bitterly. 
It has to go out right in the middle of my favorite show. Oh, Eustace, there's no need to worry. Muriel reassured him. I'm sure the power will be restored before the show ends. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Eustace replied bitterly as he crossed his arms. Meanwhile, the mystery machine was driving down a certain two-lane highway right through the middle of nowhere, with no signs of human civilization for what seemed like miles. Fred! I hope you know where we're going, Velma commented as Fred drives the van as usual. Don't worry, Fred replied confidently. At least we won't get lost on this stretch of road, especially with its straightness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I just, I gotta give props. That's a good line. That is a very good line. It also just shows how vanilla Fred is. Commenting on the straightness of the... Wow. You know, I gotta really compliment this road on its straightness. (laughs) What a straight road this is. Wow. Amazing. Like, we better arrive soon because I haven't seen a burger joint for miles. Shaggy said. Scooby agreed. (laughs) Oh, Shag. We just had supper. Velma said. How can you possibly still be hungry? You know those two. Velma, Daphne replied. But when we arrive, Shag, I promise that you and Scooby will get to eat out. Like, works with me, Daph. Oh my. Shaggy smiled at his friend. Oh man. Daphne smiled back at Shaggy before turning her attention back to the road. Like, are you sure you know where you're going, Fred? Shaggy asked a little while later. We haven't seen a sign for, like, miles. Yeah, I'm getting quite worried that we may be lost, Fred. Daphne agreed. Maybe we should pull over and have a better look at the map, Velma suggested. All right, Velma. Fred sighed and slowed down the mystery machine before pulling over. After pulling over and shifting the mystery machine to park, Velma leaned over to show Fred the road map. I've been keeping track of our route ever since we exited the interstate highway, Velma said. She gestured at the pencil markings on the map she drew during the drive. Fred looked at the map as he followed the pencil route Velma had drawn. Uh Uh-oh, Fred said. It looks like we're in the middle of nowhere, gang. Zoinks! Middle of nowhere? Shaggy exclaimed as he and Scooby jumped in fright. No, we're actually near a town named Nowhere in Kansas, Velma replied. Jeepers! Who would name a town Nowhere? Daphne wondered. Like, beats me, but I think I know why. Shaggy replied as he looked at the dark scenery around them. There's pretty much nothing around here. Yeah, Daphne agreed. I only hope we get to our destination soon. But just as she finished her sentence, a large flash of light suddenly appeared from above, as if a UFO was right above them with its door open. Jinkies! What's going on? Velma asked as they were blinded by a large flash of light above them. Yow! Shaggy shouted as they started to float out from their seats, as if an invisible force was pulling them from above. My glasses! Velma exclaimed as her glasses started to float away from her, while Fred and Daphne were trying to find a place to hold on to keep themselves from floating away from their seats. During this ordeal, the gauges and instruments of the mystery machine started to have funny readings. Eventually, the lights were shut off, returning everything inside the mystery machine back to normal as everyone fell back onto their seats or the floor in a rather awkward position. Is everyone all right? Fred asked after Velma and Daphne both landed on him. Yeah, like, I think... Shaggy replied from the back as Scooby whimpered, having been shaken by the scare. Well, I need to find my glasses, Velma replied, because I think I've got something on my face. Immediately, Daphne got up and looked around, eventually finding Velma's glasses, while Fred helped her up. 
Thanks, guys, Velma smiled as she put on her glasses. I wonder what all that was about. Beats me, Fred replied. But let's carry on with the drive. He then attempted to start the mystery machine, only to find out that it wouldn't start. Bad news, gang. The engine won't start, Fred said as he continued his attempts to start the engine with no avail. Well, maybe we can go over to that house for help, Velma said as she gestured towards a dark-looking house with a windmill and what appeared to be a pickup truck nearby. Like, that house looks dark and creepy to me, Shaggy said nervously when he looked towards the house. Well, it's our only hope, Shag, Greg replied. We need to get some help or we'll be stranded here for a long time. Soon, the gang were on their way to the house, hoping to get some help. Like, I sure hope their kitchen is still open, Shaggy remarked as they walked towards the house. Yeah, I'm starving, Scooby agreed. Before Fred or any of the girls could reply to the comments, they reached the front porch of the house, and Fred knocked on the door. Inside the house, the trio were wondering what to do when they heard footsteps coming from the front porch and the door knocking. Now, I wonder who that could be, Muriel asked as Courage handed her the lantern. If it's a salesperson, tell him that we don't want any, Eustace replied as Courage managed to find a flashlight. As Courage turned on the flashlight, Muriel made her way to the front door with the lantern. At the front porch, the gang waited patiently. It looks dark inside, Velma observed. Doesn't seem like anybody is home. Or maybe nobody lives here, Daphne suggested. Before the boys could comment on the matter, the door suddenly opened and it appeared like it was opening by itself. Everyone looked on nervously as the door opened, anticipating something they wouldn't want to see at the other side of the door. A few suspenseful moments went by before the party on the other side of the door revealed herself. It was an overweight, elderly woman with white curls and wearing an olive-colored dress, yellow apron, black boots, and a pair of glasses, and holding a lantern. The gang sighed in relief as the elderly lady stepped out. What can I do for you, kid? The lady asked kindly. The gang can detect a slight Scottish accent in her voice. Hi! Our van broke down on the highway, and we were wondering if we can use your phone to call for help, Fred replied as he gestured towards the broken-down mystery machine stranded on the nearby road. Why, yes, you can, the lady smiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think we've had the power outage, so I don't think the phone's working. Just then, more footsteps can be heard from inside the house. Muriel! I thought I told you that we don't want anything! An elderly man wearing a dark brown hat, pale yellow shirt, olive green overalls, black buttons, large black shoes, and a pair of glasses said as he walked towards the door to join the lady. Eustace, these kids aren't salespeople. The lady referred to as Muriel <laughs> said to the man as a small purple dog with black spots and black ears came to the door. These kids are travelers. Their van broke down requires our assistance. Require our assistance, eh? Eustace replied before turning to the gang and added, Well, I've got bad news for you, kids. Our phone's not working. So what should we do? Daphne asked Fred. Well, we can't carry on with our trip since the mystery machine is broken down, and I don't see a place for miles, Fred replied. And it looks like we can't make a phone call for help. It was then that Muriel made a decision. How about if you kids stay for some tea and perhaps some stories? We can, wait, uh, we can wait for the power to return, then you can make your phone call. Like, works with me. Shaggy smiled as they entered the house. I hope the kitchen's still open. Oh, Shaggy. Daphne laughed. 
End of chapter one. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, uh, man. What do you think? Well, I think I haven't done a Scottish dialect in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fantastic. I mean, I'll tell you right now, the author didn't mention the Scottish dialect until that point, so you had done a phenomenal job yeah. reading the notes as they were. Well, I am a professional. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think the first thing I want to just point out, uh, well, first, let's give credit where credit is due. Thank you once again for the D5-1 Meddling Kids in Nowhere by WSDSRDBW4096. Uh, how much this is written like an actual TV spot. Like, I feel like the, the dialogue is on point. I had been researching a whole bunch of like, especially Scooby-Doo stuff. I was like, I want to do something Scooby-Doo this week. I didn't think anybody captured Shaggy's, especially Shaggy's mannerisms, like all the, like, hey, Scoob! All that stuff is so well represented in this, and I was super excited to just be like, how well is this written? And I, I did a little bit of research. Beforehand, uh, the author had mentioned that this is related to an actual TV spot that was done. There were some like Scooby Doo courage crossovers on TV. Whoa, really? What the hell? Yeah, Ooh. I had no idea. So I'm about to go watch that right now because the All author right, was like, "Second, <laughs> see you later." Yeah, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that just sounds like <laughs> masturbating. I'm about to watch this away. right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, this is really good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm about to go and check that out at some point, because I had no idea that there was Courage Scooby-Doo crossovers, but there's nine chapters of this. Uh, the author said that it's loosely based with their own sort of twist on this, so I'm going to do some more research and come back with maybe some more of this at some point. Um, who is the... Which, which of these dogs would you want to have with you, actually? Like, <sighs> like if, you, if you were facing a monster... Would you want to have courage or would you want to have Scooby Doo? Courage, hang courage, courage. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'd want courage. Give me the why. Because Scooby, in my personal experience with Scooby Doo, <laughs> <laughs> Scooby always runs away from the monster and happens to chase it or happens to have it follow him to someone who can actually deal with the monster. Courage always deals with the monster, screaming the entire time. But actually gets the job done by himself, almost almost exclusively by himself in every episode. He has, I mean, Courage is basically a fucking superhero at this point. He has dealt with krakens, he's dealt with giant spiders, he's dealt with witches, abominable snowmen. Giant feet. And his his conviction, yeah, giant feet, oh fuck, I forgot about that. The but slab. Yeah, and his conviction is, is so solid, because he's always like, oh, the things I do for love, and then just does it. No matter how much is going to shorten his lifespan from trauma and... He's, he's the guy you want on your team. Now, my, my counterpoint to that, I, do, I, I, I agree with everything you said, isn't the reason why Courage is able to do all those things is, like you said, the things I do for love, where he is protecting Muriel. That's why he's able to muster up the courage to do all this. So, in that case, would you have to be with Muriel in order for Courage to do all this stuff? Or are we assuming that Courage... That you are Muriel encourages life. I think operating under the assumption that you are on equal footing in both 
in both situations. So like Scooby-Doo is trying to solve mysteries and stuff with the team that they have assembled. The gang. The gang. Um, but Courage just does whatever he needs to do to protect the people that that love him, basically, or that the people that he loves. Um, so I, I think I think we have to operate under the assumption that we are one of the people that Courage is trying to protect, because otherwise, then it's, you know... Courage not a, loves me? Courage loves you. Oh, God. He's a dog. Dogs love un, unconditionally. Yeah, guys, dogs are stupid, and they love anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> dogs are dumb, and they, they love everyone equally, and that's why they're so pure and, and wonderful beings. And why we don't deserve Do we Do we have any advocates for Scooby? I mean, I, I would love to have Scooby on my, in my gang. I would not, I, if, if there were, if I had to choose one, I would pick Courage. But Scooby also, I mean, Scooby solves mysteries too, you know? Well, also you can talk to Scoob, you know? Like Courage, nobody can understand it, but you can, you can actually talk to Scoob and he can speak back to you. So there is a level of personal relation you can develop with him that you can't do with Courage. I'd rather own Scooby-Doo. I would rather own <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Now there's a question. <laughs> Does the gang own Scooby or is he like his own citizen? Does he have his own social? Does I mean, he, is he employed by Mystery think, Incorporated? Like, what's the story there? I think, well, there have been many iterations of like the origin story for Scooby-Doo. And I feel like Shaggy is the one who has the primary custody. I guess, custody <laughs> right. I mean, they're best friends. You know, I think that's where that relationship is and then the gang is like an, an extension of that but i think if you're looking at like like courage is to muriel as scooby is to shaggy mm -hmm. but yeah. are we do i'm i'm gonna throw it out here i'm saying i think scooby needs to get paid i think so too because if we look at the scooby-doo movie the live action one he has an id when they fly to that island and he, <laughs> he has does. a picture so that means that not only does he have that it means that he he went into some pharmacy and got his ID picture taken. He's recognized you know? by the state of Coolsville. Yeah. So now we are establishing that not only is Scooby a crime-solving dog, he's also a citizen of <laughs> of the world. He is so Scooby-Doo is a fucking like miracle to exist <laughs> scooby-doo yes. is an american taxpayer D was it ever established like why scooby can talk in any of his origin stories or is it always just like yeah there's a dog you can talk i i, I think know. that's just the, the extent of it which also is why scooby doesn't exactly like defend or anything or like like courage like feels like he almost doesn't have a choice but to protect his owners because courage is just a dog but scooby has self-awareness he has agency he has agency and he's like i can't die here i'm going to die here <laughs> so 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 almost like is scooby just like the rest of us he's not willing to sacrifice his life because he's aware of it yes i love this because so now we're operating under the assumption that scooby-doo like has aspirations he has a future and i guess for to argue for scooby and something we didn't really touch on i, I mean i think you maybe touched on a little bit hunter but scooby's luck is outrageous outrageous yeah, he's got a great yeah. luck stat so i think that you know if you're wanting somebody on your squad somebody with just an un inordinate amount of just 
lucky ways to beat the bad guy is always a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be, uh, yeah, I'd, I think I'd be pretty happy with either Scooby or Courage on my side. I think I'd enjoy hanging out with Scooby Doo uh, because he and Shaggy seem like they've got a pretty chill, pretty chill they're little. They're stoners. Like, yeah, they're they're liter- I mean, they are unironically stoners. Like, yeah. let's yeah. just throw that out there. Shaggy and Scooby both smoke pot. Yeah. They, this dude smokes what? weed with his dog. And he, Scooby snacks are edibles. Oh. Uh, in that case, then by the end of the movies, by the end of every episode, Scooby is like fucking catatonic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially like the ones where he just like dumps a whole like box in his mouth. How many grams do you think a Scooby snack is? Probably, probably standard 10. Yeah, let's yeah. operate under the assumption between 5 and 10. So oh I mean, he's probably God. dumping like hundreds of grams of <laughs> 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 Wait, is Is that why Scooby can talk? Because he's so baked, his mind is like transcended to a new level and and gained consciousness, and he has to he has to keep eating weed. Does Scooby ever talk to anyone but Shaggy? Yes. Yeah, but Shaggy's the only one who like really talks to him. So what if what if Scooby Doo is actually just a fever dream of Shaggy's (laughs) while he's basically hallucinating from the amount of edibles that he has injected into his bloodstream? So would that beg the question, would Shaggy be able to understand courage? With this new ability to talk with dogs. Oh shit. Based on his stoner level. Would he have to get courage high? What if he's like courage? Join us in humanity, handing him a Scooby snack. <laughs> and everyone else hears, like courage. <laughs> Could you imagine? Join us, courage. Courage has so much anxiety. Could you imagine the character shift if you gave him marijuana? Oh my, what if courage, like, ascends when he has weed and he's just like, the things, the I, things do I do for love. love. <laughs> <laughs> Muriel, Muriel comes jacked. home. Muriel comes home and all there is is just like Eustace's destroyed, mangled, bloodied body. And Courage is sitting there in a ninja outfit with a Konoha thing. She's like, Courage, why have you done this? And he's like, to test my abilities. (laughs) (laughs) Muriel-sama. All right. So before we we move on to the next fan fiction, one last little quick question. Uh, what, What hopes do you have? for this because it has been finished but i'm just wondering what you guys are what you guys want from this Uh, i want to see courage find because he's definitely courageous but i want to see him begin to overcome that fear when meeting another dog that has like the awareness that he has but i also want to see scooby gain a little bit of courage that courage has like like Mm. have him become like the badass Scooby gains a little courage yep and courage gains a little Scooby, Scooby. Scooby. <laughs> uh, which which Scooby Doo or Courage villains would you want to show up in the course of this? Because we have we have like a UFO, Ooh. maybe Scrappy Doo. <laughs> I think I, I like a la the uh, the, the live action movie. Mm-hmm. I think that he gets jealous of this other dog that's suddenly in the picture. This new small dog. Can, yeah. can it be the aliens? From the best Scooby-Doo movie, in my personal opinion, uh, where they're out in like Arizona or the desert and there's aliens. And you mean like where they're in the middle of nowhere, Kansas? The best Scooby-Doo movie. Yes. <laughs> and and, what was and the- Shaggy falls in love. I don't know, but it had that. The witches? Uh, no, no, no. It's the one where she's like, and she likes to say groovy 
there's a whole song that Shaggy <laughs> sings about this girl who's actually an alien. Have you guys not seen this one? No. Oh my, it's the best Scooby-Doo movie. Shaggy falls in love with this girl who ends up being an alien who's also the monster. Scooby-Doo and the alien invaders. Yeah, so good. And it takes place in the middle of nowhere. So uh, all of you listening, if you have a favorite Scooby-Doo movie, which obviously the correct choice is Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. So good. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. So good. Come on now. Sorry, Wes. They have the hex no. girls. They have those they have those cute goth girls in Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. And yep. they sing the We're the Hex Girl. And we're gonna put a spell on you. We're gonna put a spell on you. <laughs> Fuck yes, dude. So good. so good. You guys know way more about Scooby-Doo than I do. Dude, I was in. And on that embarrassing note, uh, Hunter, what do you have for us this yeah. week? Uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a left turn. Um, so mine is titled "My Little Pony and Equestria Girls: Monsterverse Convergence." This is a combination of My Little Pony and the uh, MonsterVerse, uh, the Monster Cinematic Universe, the MCU, if you will, uh, uh, Godzilla. So um, this is made by uh, Reptosaurus King, last updated this July 4th, 2020. So this is very recent, and I wouldn't be surprised if, or at least I hope, that we see uh, another chapter. This is actually chapter two. Chapter one has to deal with the humans talking about how they're going to deal with the monsters. So Nobody that was, cares about I was that. like, and it's, it's great exposition to get to chapter two where the monsters wake up in Equestria with the ability to speak. <laughs> so uh, Godzilla and Gamera will be played by Reese Boatwright, Mothra and Zilla Jr. by our very own Wes Carmen, uh, Rodan and Angurius, which is actually a monster that I'm not familiar with. So I'm excited to see your interpretation, Taha. And then I will be uh, the one-liner King Kong as well as the narration. So without further ado, Godzilla slowly stirred from being unconscious. He sees bright blue sky and green landscapes with lots of different colors all over. He looked at what was supposed to be his arms, instead replaced with jet black fur and dark gray hooves. And the same goes for his rear legs, but are more muscular. His tail was replaced with a smooth, jet-black, hairy tail, with a few spike extensions running half the length of the tail. His mane ran the length towards half of his back, when a few spikes sticking out from it, much like his plates. Then, something unexpected happened. Ugh, what just happened? He soon realized that he can talk. He never talked in his monster form. Even his fellow allies were shocked that their leader was talking. Okay, since when can you talk? We haven't heard a single word from you ever since we were on Earth. I have to agree. We've never heard you talking in a very long time. Wait a minute. In our huge beastie forms, we have all never spoken a single word during our battles. And when we were all on Skull Island, not once. You know, you may be right, Anguirius. Probably this world has given us the ability to speak without reason. In our world, we can't speak since we're just mindless monsters trying to save the world from destruction. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, Ninja Turtle. First off, we're not mindless. Some of us are extremely intelligent, like me, Caesar, Kong, and Big G over there. And yes, we do save the world from destruction because that's who we are. We do it because it's right. 
And just because you're the so-called guardian of the universe, I was around way longer than you, along with my friends. So don't go throwing insults at us without evidence to back it up. Hey, I wasn't throwing insults at either you or your friends. I was only given my honest opinion. All right, you two, break it up! We don't have time for your squabbling. First off, we've all landed in an unknown world and we need directions to get us back on the right track. And maybe, just maybe, we can form new allies along the way to help us in our predicament. Hmm. Unlikely from the way I see it. The humans on the world that the world... Hmm. The humans on the world that the world we live in will hightail it out of here in no time. What makes you think this world's citizens are gonna think when we approach them? I don't know about you, but I'm with Godzilla on this one. If we could at least try, Rodan. I have to agree with Kong's plan. We need some powerful allies to help us find our way home. So I think we should find a town that could help us out. Ugh, fine, I guess. Oh, come on, Big G, lighten up. It'll be an adventure. I just knew it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. So the Skull Island Titans started trudging forward to find a town to help them out. Though, learning to walk on all fours is a bit of an understatement. Even Mothra, Rodan, and Gamera have a tough time trying to flap their wings. So they stick to walking for now. As they are walking down, they noticed a squadron of Pegasus, known as the Wonderbolts, flying past them. So wish I could fly. Oh, I'm sure you'll be able to get your flying up to speed in due time, Gamera. But for now, let's walk. Uh, I can't stand all this walking. I'm a freaking pterosaur for crying out loud. I need to be in the sky. He tried to fly, but he ended up crashing into the ground and was not happy. Then he felt a tingly sensation and looked to see Mothra trying to use her new horn for magic. That surprised Rodan. Whoa, Queen Insect, since when can you learn how to use magic? I didn't. It sort of came to me. Like it was instinct. Ugh, well, I appreciate the save, Mothra, but this whole magic thing, this world, and even what we look like is already starting to give me the creeps. <laughs> you getting the creeps of this world we're trapped in? I'm actually loving it, and especially my new legs. Like, I can zip and zip all day and not get tired of it. Well, I appreciate it, Zilla Jr., but right now, we need to find the nearest town and get some answers. Maybe help the three of us with our little flight issue. So they continue their trek to the nearest town. Meanwhile, in the Castle of Friendship, a violet alicorn was busy organizing her books and her library when a purple dragon arrived with a scroll in hand. Fade to black. So, our ah. monsters have arrived in Equestria and not only found new uh, equine forms, but also gained the ability to speak. Interesting. And I think uh, here we're starting to see that they're a lot more alike than they are different. So, so now that they can communicate in an actual, tangible and understandable way, do you really think these monsters want to fight now that they're in the land of friendship? Oh, I mean, having watched the first two seasons of My Little Pony, uh, I can tell you right now that as soon as they start meeting Twilight Sparkle Rarity, all the pony friends, they're going to learn the magic of friendship and... Pinkie Pie is going to start a whole like party to be like, oh, 
let's welcome all the new friends that we have. And then Fluttershy is going to be like, oh, well, I'll help, but I don't know if I'll be any good. And Rarity's like, oh, darling, no, please come with me. I'll help you make the dresses. And then Twilight Sparkle is going to be like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do some research and see if we can help these guys figure out why they lost their flying abilities. And then Rainbow Dash is like, oh, that's cool. Maybe I can teach him how to fly while you're doing all that research stuff. And then Spike's going to be like, wow, Godzilla is just like me. He's like a dragon, kind of. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's so no, keep going. It's going to be real. <laughs> well, that's that's going to be the conflict, isn't it? I think of this of this in this world. I mean, My Little Pony hasn't known anyone so violent as the f- fucking monsters of destruction <laughs> yeah. that have now been put into My Little Pony form. So now they've still got their minds. They've still got their destructive, violent tendencies. But now they've been thrust into a land of goodness and happiness and friendship. And something we haven't seen is, are they as big as they were? But just in pony form do they not mm. realize i i kind of hope that they're small yeah okay. <laughs> I, i'm kind of operating under the assumption that they've been put in pony form yeah. well another hot take what if all the ponies are as big as the monsters <laughs> <laughs> i mean and yeah they get transported back to the real world and they're like oh my god giant ponies <laughs> they're like stomping on skyscrapers like Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. And people are just like getting squished. And, and every like, every ah! every flap of like Rainbow Dash's wings is just like Rodan in the new movie, just destroying cities from the shock, <laughs> causing hurricanes. Oh all the the humans on land, all we hear from the, they're all all the My Little Ponies are like, we're so sorry, and all we hear is, and we're like, you're gonna have one very confused King Ghidorah. Yeah. Just. Uh, what? <laughs> They'd have Where to, did all of these ponies come from? I, I feel like that movie's got to star Dwayne. You know who I'm talking about. My boy Dwayne Johnson. The oh, Rock. yeah. Yeah. Like, he's got to be the one to communicate with the pony. <laughs> I'd like to see, like, a, a Dwayne the Rock Johnson, like, Owen Wilson film here. Oh, da- like, taking it back to the. Like, a la Shanghai, Shanghai Nights. Yeah. Shanghai Noon. <laughs> a la Shanghai Nights, but with Dwayne the Rock Johnson instead of Jackie Chan. Well, you so. have to have some big name because we had Brian Cranston for the first Godzilla mm-hmm. that came out. Could you, could you imagine Brian Cranston in that shot from the first one where he's like, <gasps> like crying, and then it just pans <laughs> over and it's just like Fluttershy, like. Galloping and like, and then their the tectonic plates are like shifting from the weight. The tectonic plates would just be pounded into dust by the weight of those who, by the weight of friendship, the giant, the giant ponies. Yeah, that, I, I think that would end up being the the conflict of the whole thing is that when you bring when you bring a bunch of kaiju's into, uh, into My Little Pony Equestria World, uh, how do how do the ponies teach them love and friendship? Because, like, we know Godzilla's not... Like, it, it's canon, right? Godzilla's not a bad guy. He's, he's, he's a, force a force of, of nature. nature. Yeah, and, he, and so he ends up protecting the world from the bad ones that are just chaotic. Yeah, so he's, like, he's basically the alpha male. He's and the neutral. He, yeah, so all he does is keep them in line. Like, yeah. he doesn't really care about humans, though, he's, uh, though it's suggested in, in the most recent one that he has some sort of understanding with them, especially after seeing what the humans have done for him to like help him heal so he can actually take down King Jidora. 
so fucking excited for the next movie in that cinematic universe. It's so fucking good. Isn't it Kong? <laughs> yeah, it's Kong versus uh, oh. Kong versus Godzilla. Good. Yeah. But I'm sure they're they're gonna have a a common enemy that they have to unite against, right? Oh man! So you know what? Applejack. Applejack. Oh god. <laughs> so so what if what if Kong versus Godzilla is the prequel to this one, and their solution, the human solution, is like we have to send them to a place where their chaotic, destructive urges can be ebbed. And they find themselves in Equestria. They're, they're being rehabilitated. Rehabilitated. Oh, my God. They're sending them to Monster Rehab, which is just Equestria. Yes. You know, I would love to see a twist, though, of, like, Equestria being uh, way more chaotic and destructive. And this is just their ploy to to almost sedate these monsters as they come in and just wreak havoc and destruction. Or rather, when the monsters get to Equestria... Their chaotic and destructive energy is so powerful that the equestrians then become chaotic and destructive. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah, friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and then the humans who are knocked in the middle of it, who the plot's inevitably going to center around, are like, we have to teach them kindness again. We have to remind them of the love of friendship. <laughs> so then okay who's the actor that we cast as the lead who can teach the chaotic destructive equestrians and the monsters that converted them the power of love and friendship we talked about this earlier tom hanks tom hanks tom hanks Is it Tom Hanks playing a, 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 another fictional Tom Hanks character, or is it Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers? I, I want Tom Hanks Ooh. as Tom Hanks having played Mr. Rogers, Woody, all these things, In all the these middle people. middle of filming Mr. Rogers. He's like, now I've learned a lot here about how to be a friend and how to be a neighbor, and I think I can teach them. And they're like, Tom, <laughs> you're just an actor. And he's like, listen, the whole world's going to die unless we throw everything we've got. And I think I've got a shot. I'm not just an actor. I'm an Academy Award winning <laughs> actor. I'm Tom Academy Hanks Award winning <laughs> Academy Award winner Tom Hanks. And in that moment, through the power of friendship, Tom Hanks assumes his equestrian form and flies off. <laughs> now, there's the, oh, who who would you most want to see as a pony? Like, what actor would you want to see? Because, like, already I'm calling back to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I want to see that man as a pony. Yes. And like, on the opposite end, Michael Sarah. I want to see him as a pony. <laughs> this I, is not the first time that you've wanted to cast Michael Sarah. Listen, in, Michael Sarah is a very versatile actor. <laughs> I can see him in a lot of different things. <laughs> he is the character actor that we all deserve. Yeah, Michael Sarah being a character played by Michael Sarah is pretty much what he does. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just I think that he's so goofy and ridiculous and on, and he's so good at doing his own thing that just seeing him in other universes is so awkward and that's where i think the charm comes in so i can see him being like like dwayne the rock johnson has huge fucking wings and he's Michael's, just a horse yeah yeah okay, he's just he's a, a horse among ponies he's a horse among ponies and michael sarah's a, a pony without a horn or wings but he's like oh oh man i can't do magic or like fly but you know, I, I'll, I'll help out as much as I can. I guess I got a crush on this girl, all pony, the, and how, uh, okay, I'm really so nervous. All the ponies, all the equestrians, are played by like Seth Rogen and friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Seth Rogen, James Franco, uh, uh, Michael Sarah. Um, oh, who's uh, the, the, the cast of the this cast is the end? Yeah, basically the main cast of this is the end with the occasional guest star, um, and then all of the kaiju are played by like experienced cgi like 
some Andy Circus. fucking like yeah like Andy Circuses of the world that are all just really really fucking good at all the motion capture stuff and so it, then it's the monsters teaching all these awkward goofy little pony friends how to be monsters of chaos and destruction and then it's Tom Hanks trying to tame them <laughs> <laughs> damn this is single-handedly the most brilliant and absolute fucked up thing that I think has ever been molded together by <laughs> yeah. science yeah i would i would pay a lot of money to see that in the theater like more than your average movie yeah i'd pay i'd probably pay as much for this if someone told me like hey a really good lord of the rings movie is coming out it's definitely going to be good i'd pay as much as i would pay to see that i'd pay nearly as much to pay this i want to it, see this rather i want it on like godzilla king of monsters level production level yes you know we're like it's it's the cgi is nuts it's yeah. chaos everything they do destroys buildings and swaths of neighborhood and then just ponies and tom hanks is just smack dab in the middle of it that level of animation used to animate like the sparkles that follow the ponies <laughs> through real life as they're trampling <laughs> through New trails York like the rainbows are actually like toxic radiation oh <laughs> <laughs> it's just fallout that they're leaving <laughs> These creatures oh my are God. more destructive than any creature we've experienced. Oh so my God! Actually, that if their rainbow trails are radiation and fallout, that is what the kaiju feed on, and they grow stronger from it. Mm. So they synergize. They synergize. Oh, the shit. monsters make the ponies evil, and then the ponies be- make the monsters even more powerful. Oh man! <laughs> and we saw what Godzilla did with just a nuke. Could you imagine, like? The power of friendship. The power of friendship. <laughs> We're flipping the anime script. It's the power now, of friendship is nuclear. Now, <laughs> that can be the tagline of the movie. <laughs> this time, friendship goes nuclear. <laughs> Godzilla, king of Equestria. This time, friendship is nuclear. Oh, fuck. I don't think we're getting any better than that. No, I think we've peaked, honestly, at this point. Uh, what? Let's once again. Let's give credit where credit is due. Uh, what was the name of the author of that one? Hunter? Uh, author of that is Reptosaurus King. Uh, Reptosaurus. We saw that you just uh, updated this um, recently. Uh, July. July fourth, actually, uh, Independence Day for America. You've given us the greatest gift that we've ever seen: the freedom to create this wonderful piece of fiction and we hope to see it again soon that's ma- this makes me more prideful in america than anything else that's been happening yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the true power of friendship we need right now right yeah this will this will unite this will make america great <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, yeah i think that i think you're right i think we peaked on that i think that that's yeah. wonderful so before we head off of course we have to know the random fandom uh, i wanted to do Wes say random, and then you say fandom, and then Taha does well, it. next time, just communicate that, will you? Yeah. I was hoping you could see it through my eyes, but... Well, I don't have very good vision, so thanks for reminding me that I'm visually impaired. All right. Now, Reese, it's time for the random fandom. That's how you do it, Hunter. Easy. Without further ado, Taha, what do yeah. you got for us? <laughs> well, next week's random fandom is a juicy one. We have uh, Star Trek and Legally Blonde. Oh, 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 I'm so in on oh, this. I'm very ex- now, okay, can it be any Star Trek? Like, are we talking Next Generation, the original tri- the original series? The revival movies? I, I, think it's, I think it's whatever you want it to be. Okay, perfect. Whatever you need it to be perfect. to fit. The- I'm, a, I'm a huge Next Generation Trekkie, yeah. so 
I got you covered there. Once again, I'm not a big Trekkie, but I have seen Legally Blonde. Found out my dad was a Trekkie. I had no idea. Oh. We have a poster and everything. So actually, you're, you're a blondie. I'm, gonna take I'm a, a blondie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm familiar with Legally so, Blonde. So yes. you're legal? I've seen the movie. My name is Reese. The so movie you, My Name is Reese? No, I, I, My Name is Reese. So my I'm automatically connected to Legally Blonde because Reese Witherspoon is... Oh, you know, I didn't put that Ooh. together. Yeah, <laughs> Reese's humor has transcended us. Yeah. It, it was once again another segue that my brain makes that, no, that it, uh, it, the casual plebeian can't keep up with. It makes perfect sense. I was like, but I just went, the main guy's name is Emmett. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that I am super excited to see what we all come up with next week. Yeah. And you should be too. So make sure to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week and join us for another edition of Stranger Than Fan Fiction. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Stranger Than Fan Fiction. We like the fanfics that you've written. Stranger Than Fan Fiction. Coming at you with rock hard diction it's perfectly strange